0: you to church today. Uh, we're going to continue. If you've got your Bibles with you, Psalms 57. Uh, Kyle's been uh, preaching on Psalm for quite a while, um, and um, I've learned a lot. So there's something wrong with that, that a son, no, I said, it, I, said it, I can't even say it correctly. A father is learning from a son. Uh, when does that ever happen, right? Um, but I have learned a lot. A lot of, of the Psalms we're reading is that, um, you know, we, we tend to just go through it and read it like we're reading fiction. And we have to stop and we have to slow down and we just have to really absorb it. So I hope you got that out of this, if nothing else. I know we do a, a Bible reading every day and it ends with, an, with a psalm. And I've lately, since he started preaching on this and trying to pay more attention to the psalms, um, I've been listening to it and reading it three or four times, uh, trying to get more out of that. And so um, this morning's be Psalm 57, um, I, I was going to make a joke about um, Kyle being my boss again, but I I decided, whatever. If you're a visitor, uh, just know that the person who preaches most of the time is my son, Kyle. He's now running the cameras. Um, So he does everything around here. So we're, we're proud of him. Uh, we're also proud of our daughter, Jessica, that's over there somewhere, isn't she, or is she and child- she, there she is, all right. Um, I actually forgot about her in the last sale list. I'm trying to make up for it today, but um, she believes heavy duty in foster care, as you probably know if you've been around here, that she is heading up a, a group that um, collects things for foster parents and foster kids, and uh, just really help them to get a start, and just as of yesterday, they finished everything Uh, that they need to do in order to be licensed as a foster parents and so maybe by next week um they will have a foster child so we'll see we've been looking for a a little girl for our family we're tired of all the boys that we have Uh, so maybe god will bless us that way but i don't know why god has blessed me with a couple great kids but um they're not kids anymore. I know they're young adults. Not even young adults anymore, are you? Yeah, so. Anyway, uh, um, anyway, we're, we're very blessed to have that and be able to work alongside of them. This has been happening since, I think, Jess was a freshman in high school, and Kyle was an eighth grader when I decided to go into the ministry, and we've been working together pretty much ever since. So anyway, enough about our family. Let's get into Psalm 57. Uh, this is known as the cave psalm. If you have your Bible open and you see at the very beginning of that, uh, there's a little bit of, uh, a lot of translations will put a header in there, um, but this isn't a, a translation header. This is a manuscript header. Uh, so it was gl- it, luckily, it, it helps us out a little bit to know what this psalm is all about. And it says, For the director of music, uh, to the tune of Do Not Destroy, of David, of Mictim, when he had fled from Saul into the cave. All right, so how many of us know the tune of Do Not Destroy? Somebody knows it? Oh, you want me to sing it? No, you definitely don't want me to sing it. Yeah, that's not it. Anyway, we don't know what that is. I know that a victim is, I had to look that up, is that's a plea for uh, help. Um, So it's a a plea for help, but David, it says when David fled from Saul into the cave. So now if you go back to 1 Samuel 22 to 24, um, we're going to be here all afternoon because I'm going to explain to you everything that happened in David's life uh, where King Saul was trying to kill David. Um, And you would ask, why would a king try to kill one of his people? I don't know. I almost said peasants, and that's not really right. Because when David was a young man, probably a teenager, God anointed David to be the next king over Israel. Uh, but there was a time period between uh, David becoming king and Saul giving up the throne or God giving up the throne of da- of Saul for David. And so if you go back and read all of that, you find that uh, David became more and more popular. Uh, he killed Goliath. We all know that story from Sunday school, right? But he did a lot of other things too. He was a great warrior. Um, Saul even gave him uh, one of his daughters because of his heroics. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's really the story of David is just awesome, right? So you need to go back and read a lot about David from all that. But Saul became a little bit more um, deranged, uh, worried a lot about um, David taking over for his kingdom uh, before time. And um, David had to run and flee from Saul uh, at different times. And this is a time when David's in a in a cave. Um, and so he writes this psalm. And I think that's awesome is when you think about a I guess it would be uh, Mel Gibson. You know, he's a great warrior in a lot of his themes. You think about that character. I don't think we'd ever think about him sitting down in a cave and writing poetry, right? Uh, But David did that, and we have the blessing of that from a lot of uh, the different psalms that we have. Um, So David's um, seeking, you know, for his very life. Uh, he's trusting God, but, but literally, I mean, if you go through situations where when you're in the middle of a situation, you know, God has promised you certain things, uh, sometimes it's really hard to discover what that is or to, to keep your trust that God's going to come through. Um, so we'll see all this playing out here. Um, and I don't know about you, but I, I think about this and, and at a, a, a lesser degree of somebody trying to kill me, uh, when I go through tough times in life, um, it's really hard for me to praise God or to worship God to re- to to even though I know God's going to take care of me, uh, to trust that God would actually do those things uh, when my health is good, when my finances are good, when uh, my relationships with my wife and my kids and my church and my friends or whatever is good. Um, it's easy to praise God in all those times. Um, but what about times where you can't make your bills or times where all of a sudden you have a uh, maybe a, a life-ending uh, disease that, that happens to you? Just different things that are, are big or anything in between those things that, that when times go bad, sometimes Um, we we end up blaming God, or maybe we don't even blame God, but yet we we distance ourselves from God because he's allowing us to go through those things. So that's what this psalm is all about. Uh, We need to be able to learn to praise God in the good times and the bad times. Um, And I think this is a great example of of being able to do that David teaches us. So let's go through. I know we've already read half of the psalm, um, and I'm going to go through right now and read all of it, and then we're going to break it down. So Psalm 57. It says, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven to save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me, Selah. Well, let me say that. That Selah is a time where we really, if we had the time, we should pause and just meditate on what we just read the words that David just had. Since we don't have time, we're going to go, through, go on. Um, God, in the verse 3, God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set him. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. Selah. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Again, poetry. We should sit down and take a lot of time and meditate on that. But if I could be simple today, there's two things that I think we can get out of this just during this time that we have together. And the first one is is the first half of this psalm, verses 1 through 6, is we should trust God in tough times. No matter what we're going through, we should be able to trust God. And so we'll break down some of the things that David says in this psalm. And he begins by saying, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. It's a desperate cry for help. In fact, the fact that he says it twice shows that he's doubly desperate. He's very, very desperate. That's something that they do in, in Hebrew often when they want to, instead of an exclamation point, uh, they repeat themselves two or three times. And so he's saying, God, I need you. I need your mercy. I need you to, to take care of me. And this word here, mercy, means an act of kindness or compassion or favor. Because really none of us, and David knew this, none of us really deserve God's favor or God's mercy. But he knew that that's who God was. If you remember a sermon that I preached just a while back was that word about steadfast love. And in the Hebrew word, that's called hesed. It's that God can't help himself. God has steadfast love for his children. And he has that for David. And sometimes when David's in a cave or when you're going through different things, it's hard to realize that God's mercy is still with you. God wants to extend that. Not because he wants to, it's because that's who his character is. We are his children. He loves us and he has mercy for us. And so we see here that David calls out for God's mercy and he relies completely on God's power. There's only so much that he can do because he continues to say, in the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge. Notice David has gone into this cave But he's not taking refuge, really, in a situation from that cave. Um, It's just a temporary thing. God is ultimately the refuge where he needs to hide from. Uh, Hide in, I should say. That hide-in gun. So if you just imagine this picture of a a bald eagle or some big bird, has their wings open, and she's she's, uh, protecting her young chick's Little birds, whatever they call, it. I should have checked to write the proper term for that. But you had to get them, protecting them with the wings, letting nobody come to destroy or get to them. Uh, That—that's what, what um, God does for us. And so David knew that this this cave was not the ultimate safety or security for him, but his safety was in the Lord. And so a lot of times when we face difficulties in life, like I said, it's it's easy for us to turn away from God. God doesn't distance himself, but we tend to turn away from God instead of turning to God. Now, another name for David that we discover is that he's a, God, a man after God's own heart. And we see that all the time. David is far, by far perfect. Uh, David makes a lot of mistakes. And I say this all the time, that if David was a United States citizen and we were going to vote for him for president, uh, he would never get elected because everybody would throw up his mistakes at him and there's no way it would happen. And yet here he is, the greatest king of all of Israel um, through that, because his heart was one that turned to God immediately uh, when he has failed. And so the last phrase of this uh, verse one is also comforting. It says, till the storms of destruction pass by. So David is confident that this cave situation, this, this, this place that he's at, is only temporary. He's going to soon be over it. And he's not talking about leaving the protection of God, even if he leaves the cave. He's talking, again, that this is, this is God who he wants to protect him, no matter what. I mean, you could also, um, he could just step out in front of the cave and says, okay, Saul, come and get me, Right? But God also, there's a fine line between being stupid. I can't say that word, can I? Here, We might have kids in here. A uh, fine line from being ignorant about, about what is reality and, and how God can protect you, right? And so God or David knows that, that God is his ultimate protector. Um, but when the time is right, and he relied on God to show him that, when the time is right, um, he would grant him the throne that he was promised as a young teenager uh, to be the next king of, of uh, Israel. And so we see here that, that our refuge is in the Lord, not in any circumstances, not any place that we can go hide, uh, but, it's, but it's to the Lord, and it's in him that we, we would like to be under his wings. Verse 2 says, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. God, or David here says that he cries out to God most high. So that most high means that, that he recognizes that even if there are other gods, and there were other spiritual beings that claimed to be gods in his day, none of them were as great as God Most High, as Yahweh. No idol, no created being, nothing should be worshipped because God Almighty, Yahweh, is the one that is superior in every way. And so it is, it is that Yahweh who needs to be worshipped. It is that Yahweh who David is looking for his refuge and is... is uh, um, strength, but also to fulfill the purpose of what God has for him. So this indicates that, that, he, that God is way above any problem, and he controls everything that can happen. Again, I don't know about you, but in my life, a lot of times that's hard to figure out. Um, I'm in a situation, and, and it just seems like, God, where are you when you're in the situation? Maybe months or years down the road, you can look back on it and you say, now I know exactly where God was. But when you're going through that situation, it's hard to see that. And so we need to keep that that promise in mind that God is, God cares about us. God is our refuge. He is our, he does have a purpose for each and every one of us. Um, So when you feel like you're in a cave and you you can't find a way out, uh, we got to remember that there is a God most high. um, And he still has a work in your life. And and what he has promised you is going to come true. Verse 3 says, He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. He will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. Again, David knows that God is above the heavens. Um, He will send from heaven. David knows that that, that God is in the heavens, above the heavens, but he is also everywhere. Um, How would you express that is probably hard to understand, but we get this through the heart of David knowing all this. But our God is a loving God who is faithful to his promises. David knew that he would be king one day. Uh, David knew that, that God was going to see him through that. But in the midst of this situation, why was the king trying to kill him? Uh, David probably had lots of doubts. But at the same time, uh, he, he knew his heart. He knew that, that God was going to come save him. So verse 4 then describes his enemies. Um, it says that, that uh, King Saul and his men were like lions or fiery beasts. And so there are there are people that want to kill him. There are people that want to do damage or destroy him. Um, and so this is a complete opposite description of what he says about God—a God who is loving and a God who is faithful, um, the God, the same God in whom we all must trust. And so um, trusting again is a, a hard, hard thing uh, for a lot of people, me included. I guess everybody. Um, I grew up with a family that uh, believed in worry. And I hear a lot of uh, quotes that say, if you've got time to worry, you've got time to pray. Um, I, am, I am hoping and wanting to not be a person that worries. In fact, uh, my, my word for this year that I've been trying to focus on is this very word of trust, in that in whatever situation I'm, I'm in, I can focus on God's word and its promises for me, and I can trust that he's in control of all things. Since that has been my word, uh, there has been a lot of situations that I've been in where fully I couldn't understand how this is going to come out, um, but I just trust that God is going to get me through it, and that has happened. Um, and so um, I try not to be a worrier. Um, I try to be one who trusts in God. And so when I find myself worrying, uh, the only thing that I can do again is remember God's word, trust in God, um, and that He He has a He has a purpose for me. He has a work for me, and God is going to see it through that I'm able to do that. And if He puts me in a situation that I can't understand the outcome, all I need to do is to be faithful to him through that situation, and it'll all work out. See, in trusting God during the hard times, um, we must be able to trust the sovereignty of God. Again, God is not distant. God is right here with us. God is in control of everything that happens. Uh, we look at our world around us. We look at our government right now. We look at um, all the evil and everything that's happening, and we, we just say, God, how can you allow this to happen? I don't think anybody has a good explanation for that. Um, If I say it's because there's evil in this world, it's happening because of me, because of my um, disobedience to God and your disobedience to God. Uh, But that doesn't answer that question very much because this world can be so cruel. Um, But we still know that God is in control. Um, God loves each and every one of us. He loves our children. He has steadfast love for us. Uh, We may not be able to figure things out, the why and the where, what's happening uh, to this invisible God, Uh, But still, just like David here, we must cry out uh, to the God most high. So trusting in God is way more than just a feeling. It's not just a a choice or a, a, I want to say, it is a choice uh, that we have to accept is that we're going to trust God. Um, And and our circumstances and our feelings are not going to dictate to us how God is. We're going to allow God's promises through his word to dictate to us who God is. And we will trust in that. Um, circumstances and feelings can change no matter what. We all know this uh, when we're going through things. But we also know as we read God's word that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And, and he's worthy of our trust. And so we need to trust him, not worry about things. Be cautious, if you will. Pray, and God will help us with, with our cautiousness. And, and it, we will know when we are to step out or whether we are to, to hold back and wait, wait on him. Uh, trusting God is living a life of belief and obedience to God when it's difficult. So that's the first thing that we should do is learn to trust in God. The second thing is verses 7 through 11, the second part of this psalm, and that is is that we should praise God at all times. Probably what I'm telling you is to trust in God and to praise God. You're sitting there saying, like, everybody knows this, but do we? Do we do that? Again, when you're in a situation, do you trust in God and do you praise him? Because of who God is. Verse 7 says, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. Remember how he started out? God, be merciful on me. Be merciful on me. He said it twice. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. He knows, David knows in his heart, that that he is going to be committed to God. That's why he's a man after God's own heart. He knows who the God most high is, and even though life has troubles, even though he's not perfect and he makes mistakes, um, God is still his God, and his heart will always be there for him. So it's a tough situation that David's in. Um, he's in this cave. He's trying to stay true to God, and yet maybe that's why he wrote this poem. I don't know, to, to try to help him uh, get through this as well. Um, and, and just to notice here that, that David is worshiping. Uh, when If I was in that situation, I don't think I would be worshiping. Um, I would be trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to get this guy? I need to take care of him before he takes care of me. Um, the apostles in, in the New Testament, we read time and time again, where they're arrested just for sharing the gospel message, which is really nothing that they're guilty of, right? And they're in prison, and they're not complaining about being arrested. Uh, they're, they're in prison, shackled up, and they're singing hymns, and they're witnessing to the jailers and things like that. Their whole attitude is different than probably what mine would be in the same situation. And I need to learn how David could be this way. Uh, remember, Saul wanted him dead. You know, it wasn't just a matter of, of exiling him or whatever. Uh, Saul wanted him dead, and many times he tried to kill him, and David was able to escape and stay away. So inside this cave, David has a faith, and, and um, he understands that what he needs to do is, if even in this situation, to step right into a spirit-filled worship um, because of the circumstance that he's in. Not in a negative way, but in a positive way. God has the ability to work through David, to, have, to do a, a, a plan for him, a purpose for him. And, and David is seeing this come out, even amidst this bad situation. Just reminds me of the story of Job as well. Job says this in Job 1, verse 20. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground, and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, that may be easy for us to say, but, but Job had lost all his children. Job had lost all of his possessions, and yet he's still able to worship God. I don't know about you, but again, if I'm in a similar situation, that would be so hard for me. But again, we have to understand that it's not our circumstances that dictate our steadfast love for God. It's, it's his word. It's who he is. It's his character that we need to understand. Verse 8 says that when we worship, we also need to be alert and awake. Verse 8 says, Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. You know, in worship, we need to be prepared. We need to, we need to have it developed as a, a habit that we do on a daily basis. I've said this a lot of times again about how bad I'm at this, but but situations that I pray for and God delivers me through those situations, and then usually it's two or three days later when I remember, oh, man, I haven't even praised God for getting me through that situation. At least, you know, a couple days later I did that, but I should be doing it immediately, right? And so I need, a, I need to have a heart that's closer to God to be able to do that. Uh, But when we're praising God, the most high God, um, there is no place for us to be lazy in worship. Um, you know, so many times when we're worshiping even here at the church that we're worried about uh, what others may think of us if we raise our hands or, or if we uh, jump up and down to some of the songs or, or whatever it might be. And, and uh, here's David in a cave, and there's no Spotify to, to play the worship music. Uh, there's no, you know, maybe the acoustics were good in the cave, but there's no speakers, right? Uh, there's no PowerPoint slides to, to know the words. And, and whatever it was, David was doing okay that in that cave, uh, he was worshiping no matter where you are, uh, no matter what the circumstances, you can worship. Tony Evans, I like this quote. He says this, if you limit worship to where you are, the minute you leave that place of worship, you will leave your attitude of worship behind like a crumpled up church bulletin. That's so good because so many times you say, we need to go to church to worship. No, we worship wherever we're at. Wherever we're at, we worship. That's why we got rid of the bulletins because we're too tired of people crumpling them up and, and leaving the church. All right, so thanks for a couple of laughs there. So we see that David worshiped even when there was no props, there was no help for his worship. In verse 9, he says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. And we see this time and time again in David's stories. He's not ashamed of God in any way. He's ready to praise God in every place, and every way. In fact, he embarrassed his wife that, that Saul gave to him uh, because when he was moving the ark to Jerusalem, he was out dancing in the streets in his underwear. And, and she says, what kind of king would do this? And from that moment on, that severed the relationship between David and, and um, his wife. And, and what David was saying, what David was showing here was it doesn't matter. We are worshiping and we are praising God. The ark has finally come home to Jerusalem where it needs to be. We need to be people the same way that no matter where we're at, who we are around, what, what people groups that, that we are involved with, we need to be able to praise God and be a witness uh, for the things that God does. We're going to touch on this in just a little bit. Uh, so notice that, that David opens his psalm. He opens it with crying, but he ends it with singing. And he opens his psalm with prayer, but he ends it with praise. And David opens his psalm with despair, but he ends it in delight. We see this pattern time and time again uh, through the psalms that David wrote, is that he starts out the, one way, but he ends another way. Because he knows who God is, and to finish this up, we got to re- remember verses five and verse eleven. They're in there twice. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. See, God or God being above the heavens again does not mean distant. This is where we have to stop and think about the whole poem as we're reading about that. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Someone say that means that God is way out there above the heavens. You know, we've been trying forever to send out, I guess they're called telescope satellites or whatever, to get to the end of the heavens so that we can find God or we can find the beginning of time. Um, but what it means to David is is that, that nothing is impossible with God. God is, God is sovereign over the whole cosmos. God is right here, and he's right there above the heavens. Nothing is limiting him, and so he's not distant. This is something divine that he's right here with us. God is the most powerful being ever. He's the creator of all things that we know, and he's the creator of all things that we haven't yet discovered. God is that person. And so David trusts in this, and he wants everyone to see God, which nobody has seen except his glory, God's glory. Now, I did this, and maybe it's a mistake, but I Googled the glory of God. People say, don't Google because you don't know what you're going to get or whatever, right? But I got a very, I don't know who writes the, the initial part of when you do a Google search, but this is what it said. Listen to this: The glory of God is the beauty of His spirit. It is not an ascetic beauty or a material beauty, but the beauty that emanates from His character, from all that He is. The glory of man, human dignity and honor fades." That comes from First 1 Peter: 124. It says, "But the glory of God, which is manifested in all his attributes together, never passes away. It's eternal. In the Bible, many times we see things that refer to the glory of God or how God manifests him through the glory. Uh, but that's probably the best definition that I've ever ever read, something that we probably need to stop, even though it comes from Google, stop and meditate on that because I think it fills that. In Exodus 33, 18, we see that Moses asked to see God's glory. And it's God's glory is so powerful that, that God hid him in the, it says in, in, a, in the rocks, basically, where as God passed by, he just got a very little glimpse of who he was. But Moses needed that because God was going to do a powerful, he had a powerful purpose for Moses um, in leading the people, um, and the Israelites from Egypt into the promised land. Um, Moses knew from that time that that was God most high. There was no doubt about it. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, the manifestation of God's glory was accompanied by things that are supernatural, like fire, thick clouds, or an earthquake. And we see that when God gave the laws to Moses on Mount Sinai, that that's exactly what happened. It was covered with smoke, and the Lord descended on it with fire. And that smoke it billowed up; it was like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. Go back and read that, and that that was the people knew that God was meeting with Moses. In fact, they even had the opportunity to meet with God as well, but that scared them so much that they allowed Moses to do it in their place. God showed this presence again through time of, of that wilderness where God was present in the tabernacle in his temple by a cloud of smoke. In the New Testament, <coughs> excuse me, the glory of God is revealed in his son, Jesus Christ. 1 John 1.14 says, The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the father full of grace and truth. So Jesus is the manifestation of God, manifestation of the glory of God. Luke 2:32 says Jesus came as a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of God's people Israel. First or no, John 2:11 says that Jesus, the miracles that Jesus did were signs for which he revealed his glory. Matthew 24:30 says in Christ the glory of God is revealed. The the mystery is revealed. He's approachable. He's knowable. He promises to return someday on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Lastly, in Revelation 21, 23, it says, The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and the Lamb is its lamp. So when David says, Let your glory be over all the earth, he is asking to be used by God for God's purposes. David is not asking for God's approval to do what he wants to do. David is asking God to be used by him, used by God for God's purposes. And a result of that is uh, being used by God's purposes is that the whole world know who God Most High is. Seriously, that's you and me. Um, God chooses to use his people. God chooses to, to send his Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ who promised us That when he left this earth, that he would send his Holy Spirit and we would take on the glory of God wherever we are. What does that mean? Are we God? No. But we are showing, we are manifesting the glory of God when we live in obedience to Jesus Christ, to God, and to the Holy Spirit. This Psalm 57, which David began in a cave, um, is, is something that we should remember that even in our deep circumstances of things where we say, God, where are you? Uh, that just outside of that cave, there's light. And we trust and we know that, that God is that light just outside of that cave. And we should praise God for deliverance, even while we're in the cave, because we know that God is going to get us through this. And we should praise God for the resurrection of ourselves to be with him eternally in heaven, even before we have left this earth. God has promised that that's what will happen as our as his children. Our praise and our worship should not be built on the foundation of our feelings or our circumstances, they must be built on the foundation of our faith in God. So David could have questioned God, but instead he decided to trust God. And instead of David sitting in that that cave having a pity party, he chose to worship God. And as we, you and I, go through tough times in our lives, there's one thing that we should desire more than anything else, and that is the glory and the praise of God. So even in the midst of anything terrible that's happening in your life that you may be facing right now, any difficulties that you may be experiencing in your life, it's okay to say, God, where are you? But to know from this psalm that God is right there beside you. And we just need to trust in the God most high and you will see it through us. See us through it. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do just thank you. Just for the words of David, just for the ability that you have given. Uh, To men like David that, that are great warriors, but at the same time, they have a delicate heart that is searching after you all the time. So, Lord, I praise you for these words, but most importantly, they're your words. We read them because this is your words. We trust them because they're your words, and we live them out in our everyday life because they're your words. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for your steadfast love for us, that you haven't just given us this life and said, make the best of it. That you've given us this life with a purpose and a plan, and that if we trust in you, we will realize that the whole world around us, everybody that we come in contact with, would understand your glory of the God most high because we are obedient to you. Lord, I just thank you again so much for for everyone that is here at Bay Area Christian Church, everyone that is listening to this. Just help us to be encouraged that we know that this world is not perfect and that there's many, many trials. There's many, many uh, troubles. There's many ways, situations where uh, we think there's no way that we can see the end of this or we can get out of this. But we know that that you will see us through. You have promised it. so Lord, I just pray that we will hang on that word. Again, the world will know you because of the way that we live our lives. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for taking on our sins. Lord, if there's anyone here who doesn't understand what that, what, what that is, Lord, I pray they wouldn't leave this place before they ask somebody what that is. The gospel message that you've presented for us, that you care and love each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name, all of these things we pray. Amen.